John sees someone walking in the crowd. And nobody else sees this person. Or at least nobody recognizes this person for who he actually is. Because John the Baptist has to say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Consider that fact, that the the Son of God, nobody recognized him as such. And John, twice in John chapter 1, has to say, Behold, the Lamb of God, because he's walking around and nobody notices him. He was remarkably average. The physical appearance, the, the form of Jesus the Messiah was remarkably average. Nothing in him that drew attention to him physically. He was not an overly attractive man. He wasn't a beautiful person. His body wasn't what you would look at and go, that's what I want to be, or that's what I'm attracted to. Remarkably average was Jesus, the Son of God. Which is even more remarkable when you consider other texts in the Bible that tell us things like, as in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, that in this Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God which is a concept that, though many of you are much smart, the majority of you are much smarter than I am, all of us taken together, we, can, we do not have the brain power to conceive of what all the fullness of God is, and yet we're told that in this unremarkably average body, there dwelt all the fullness of God. In the next chapter of Colossians, the Apostle Paul tells us in chapter 2, verse 9, reiterating this same thought, that in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That in this Jesus, mystery of mysteries, we have all the fullness of God dwelling bodily, and yet... He was remarkably unattractive. That's a challenging thought. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature was this Jesus in bodily form. And yet... John the Baptist had to draw attention to him because it wasn't abundantly obvious who he was. It's an impressive, challenging thought to me that Jesus was bodily an average guy. It strikes me that we in our culture today, maybe it's always the case, But there's some aspects of our culture today that highlight this desire that we have to impress other people. 
I ironed my shirt this morning because I didn't want you to think me a slob. I want to impress you, and I realize I don't have to impress you because you're already so gracious and generous. You welcome me, even without me saying a word first. Thank you for your kindness to me. We have a desire to impress other people. And the challenge for us from these scriptural passages is do we value things the way God values them? Do we value what God values? If God was pleased for all the fullness of his deity to dwell in a body that was unattractive, do we value things the way that God values things? Do we value what God values? We want to impress each other with our physical appearance. It's our great desire that other people would find us physically attractive. That's a desire that has run throughout human history. And we see it in even the scriptures. One Saul, head and shoulders above every other man, handsome as they came, beautiful man. And so the nation of Israel loved him because he was beautiful. He was an attractive man. In our own day, we are obsessed with physical appearance, and so we post pictures of ourselves online to impress friends and people we'll never actually meet. Because we, maybe we don't value things as God values them. We spend more time in front of the mirror than we know that we should because we maybe don't value things the way that God values them. Some of you are thinking, I wish this person would spend more time in front of the mirror. Might make talking to them easier or something. It's not that we don't care about personal appearance. It's not that that doesn't matter. It's not that it has no value, physical appearance. But are we putting the weight on it that God puts on it? Of course, physical discipline, physical uh, appearance may be of some value, but there's something that is of far greater value, isn't there? We want to impress people with our physical appearance. For some of you, this is your first semester off at college. Finally, out for mom and dad's authority. You finally can now be your own person You can present to the world exactly what you want to present to the world. And so you've spent the last eight, nine weeks crafting for yourself an image, an appearance that you believe will impress others because you want those on your freshman hall to like you. You want those upperclassmen to think you're witty and funny. And so you try to impress. Are we valuing the things that God values? Are we putting the weight that God puts on these things? Oh, it's good to be funny. It's good to tell a good joke. It's great to make people laugh. But is there something more? Something deeper? 
We want to impress people with our physical appearance. We also are interested maybe to impress people, especially in a context like Covenant College, with our spiritual performance. I want to impress you with a good sermon. It's a homily. Let's be honest. My sermons are not 20 minutes long. So for me, this is a homily. Be that as it may, I want to impress you. I want you to think not only that I look good, which is quite a stretch, I understand. That was a serious laugh. I'm being reevaluated even in these moments. But I really want you also to think that I'm such a good pastor. Such amazing insights into the Bible. Maybe you sent some of that too, that desire to impress with your spiritual performance. Even if they weren't, weren't, weren't taking attendance, you'd be here every chapel. You're the first in line after class to ask the question that you think is going to either stump the professor or demonstrate your keen insights. Engage with your professors, that's a good thing, but what's the heart that's going on while you do that? Are you seeking to impress? Certainly physical appearance is an easy temptation for us to fall into, but spiritual performance can be one as well. Want to impress other people with being a good Christian kid at Covenant. There's also the temptation in a rigorously academic environment like this where we can impress with our academic achievement. And don't worry, students, you're not the only ones that can fall into that temptation. Your professors feel it as well. They have professional requirements on them to write and to create new uh, new ideas, as it were, and demonstrate their ability to defend those ideas, the pressure on your faculty is immense. To be academically impressive. Many of you feel that same pressure, maybe not to come up with original research, but you have to get good grades. Good grades are great. Get good grades. Pursue academic excellence. Yes and amen. But as you do so, consider the fact that Jesus himself had no formal theological education. He was a carpenter by trade. And there was nothing remarkable in his external appearance to impress anyone. Do we value what God values? Do we value things as God values them? Some of you are seniors. You're going to be looking for a job soon. Maybe you've already begun. Some of you maybe had internships this past summer that you're hoping are going to manifest themselves in an offer. It's a lot of pressure. You have to impress the potential employers And yes, make a good impression. Iron your shirt before you go. Buy a new dress. That's great. Take uh, a refresher course on how to interview. Yes, present yourself well. And as you do so, love the people that are interviewing you. 
Be compassionate to the secretary that checks you in. Be kind to the people that are applying for the same job. Because ultimately, you don't have to impress anyone. Because God in Christ is already impressed with you. We need to recalibrate our value system. The world tells us that what we see outside is what matters most. You know that. But what the Bible tells us, what God himself tells us, what the gospel of Jesus Christ demonstrates to us is that while God might see the outside, he looks beyond it. He looks even through it. To the heart. And the beauty of the good news of Jesus Christ is that God saw not only what we look like on the outside, he sees the depths of our hearts, which, by the way, are far uglier than the outsides of us are. Maybe that's part of why we try to impress externally is because we're afraid of what's actually on the inside. My friends, Jesus knows exactly what's on your insides. And he laid down that remarkably unattractive body to cleanse you from what's on the inside that you try so desperately to cover up and conceal But this good news is that Jesus Christ took that body and he allowed it to be nailed to a tree because he knew that there was nothing that you could do that would ultimately impress God Almighty. You are beautiful people, but you would never be beautiful enough for God to accept you because of your beauty. You can be academically excellent, get 101% on all your tests. Well done. But my friends, it will never be enough to impress a holy God. You can perform spiritually until the cows come home and the chickens roost but it will never be enough. There are not enough chapel services, even though you have to go to a lot of them. There are not enough chapel services in your four years at Covenant to pay the debt that you owe. There's no spiritual performance that you can do that's going to make you good enough. That's why Jesus did it for you. Because this unremarkable average Joe was utterly remarkable and beyond average because he never failed, he never sinned in thought, in affection, in action, or in word. And the perfection of his performance 
he gives to you. Whoever will receive it. For those of you that have received that gift of grace from God, that robe of righteousness, that forgiveness that means before God you're not only innocent, you're actually righteous in God's sight. For those of you that have received that good news, is that same good news reshaping then the way that you view yourself and the way then that you view other people? It reshapes the way we view ourselves because if God saw past and through all the external stuff, all the impressive stuff, all the stuff we try to use to impress other people, if God saw past that into your heart and loved you still, you may not actually be as worthless as you fear you are. Some of you need that reassurance this morning that you're actually not worthless. The Son of God didn't die for worthless people. He died for people that he loves. Some of you need a different challenge this morning. The same good news means that if Jesus had to die for you, maybe you're not all that. Some of you need to be humbled by the grace of Jesus. And that's going to impact then the way that you treat other people. I can assume that the way that you've received me this morning with applause and cheers, I trust that that spills over into the way you treat and love and receive one another. But I know there are moments when you too are tempted to judge other people by what you see, by what they present of themselves. But the more and more that this good news of Jesus is operating in and on our hearts, the more we're willing to look past all that external stuff. The more we're willing to believe for ourselves that that's not what ultimately defines us but so too we're willing to consider for other people. That's not what defines them either, all this external stuff. This is the way God operates. This is who God is. And in Jesus, we get to experience the fullness of God in bodily form for us. This Jesus who had no majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him, he used that unremarkable body to pay for your sin because of his love for you. He used that unremarkable body to make a sacrifice that was sufficient so that you could be robed, wrapped in a righteousness that is eternal and transcendent. No amount of Instagram followers or likes can provide what Jesus does. No amount of applause from other people can sustain like the gospel promises do. 
let us not settle for the external. Let us press on, press past the external to the heart so that this good news might find its way into our hearts more and more and then that we might participate with God increasingly in seeing the hearts of those around us that we might represent to them with our words and our actions, our affections, our deeds, our thoughts, that we might represent to them the same grace that we have been shown. One of the great mysteries of the Christian faith is that this Jesus was God and man, that he had a body that was completely unremarkable and yet in that body dwelt all the fullness of God. That has a lot to say to us about how we value things in this world. I'll leave you with one final thought, and it's the thought that that same body that hung on a cross, that same body that was offered in bloody sacrifice, walked out of a tomb three days later. Triumphant over death and sin and the devil. That same body was raised in glorious power. And there was something still unremarkable about it in that the disciples weren't sure at first that it was Jesus' actual person, that it was still Jesus. So there's some mystery to it. But it's that same body because how did Jesus allow his disciples to identify him? Touch the hole in my side. Do you see my scars? Glory on the other side of the river when all God's people are together forever and sin is completely done away with, glory will give us a new vision for the body. Because you're going to have a body in glory. It's not going to be a disembodied existence. God loves the body. He made the body. God made all of this external physical stuff because he delights in it. But a day is coming when all that taints our understanding and use and delight and enjoyment of it, all those things will be done away with and gone and we will be able to see one another without getting caught up and hung up on all the external stuff. There will be no external, internal divide anymore. You will be a whole person made new through the sacrifice of Jesus and raised to be like his glorious body. God's at work in you even now, transforming you more and more to be like him, even to be more and more like that glorious body that Jesus has even now. Our prayers go with you. My church continues to pray for you. We are grateful for you, and we delight to pray for you and are so excited to see what God is going to do through you as a new generation of Christian leaders as you go out into the world, as you love and serve others 
demonstrating to them the grace that you have been shown. Would you pray with me? Our gracious Father, we thank you that you are compassionate and gracious, that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Thank you that you are near to the broken heart, that you hold our hand as we walk through the river and the fire and that we need not fear being overwhelmed or burned because you are with us. And so be with us in even these moments. Would you, by your spirit, open our eyes to see and to reflect upon who you are and what you've done for us so that we might better reflect your image in this world. Father, add your blessing to these students, to this school, that the light of Christ might shine brightly here and in these students' lives until we are all together again in glory, raised, triumphant, with Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.